This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. And this is episode number two, entitled, The Human Jesus Anticipated in the Old Testament, Part 1. In our previous episode, episode number one, we looked at how God is described and taught in the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, as a single person. Not two or three persons, but as one single person. Uh, Primarily with the creed of Israel, uh, taught in the Old Testament and reaffirmed in the New Testament, that God is one. God is one single person. So if God is one person, then what does that say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, biblical Unitarians insist that the scriptures teach that Jesus Christ was a human being and that he did not literally pre-exist his birth in any manner. And so it's important for us to take some episodes and to look at the Old Testament, uh, also known as the Hebrew Bible, and to see how the Messiah, how Israel's climactic figure in whom God was going to place all of their hopes and destinies Uh, was anticipated. And so that's going to be the content of this episode and uh, at least the next one to follow. Again, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is here to start conversations, to get you uh, talking with your friends and your families uh, about these subjects, about who is God and who is Jesus. We're also here to promote the oneness and the unity of God as Biblical Unitarians, God being a single person, and also to promote the humanity of Jesus Christ, being a member of the human race. So, the role and vocation of Israel's Messiah within the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, came with some specific qualifications. One of the more common qualifications that is known to a lot of people is that the Messiah was to be the son of David, meaning he had to be a lineal human descendant of King David, one of the famous kings. Uh, from the Old Testament, uh, described primarily in the book of 2 Samuel. So someone like the Apostle Paul, who is not of the line of David, he actually tells us in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, that he himself was a descendant of Benjamin. Paul himself could not have been Israel's Messiah because he did not fit the qualification of being a son of David. David himself was a descendant of the tribe of Judah. So, not just anybody can go around claiming to be the Messiah or doing things that look messianic. You actually had to fit specific qualifications. Where are these qualifications listed, one might ask? Well, we're going to see these within the Old Testament, within the Hebrew Bible. So, the first passage we're going to look at is in Genesis 3.15. This passage states, I'm reading out of the NASB, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. That's Genesis 3.15. Here we see Yahweh is speaking to the serpent, and he's saying that he is going to put enmity uh, between the serpent and the woman, the woman being Eve, and between your seed and her seed. I'm very interested in this seed of the woman. That's the, the part of this passage that I'm most interested in. And also, it's the part that has caught the attention of lots of important interpreters. We see that this seed of the woman, this descendant, will bruise you, will bruise the serpent on the head, 
and you, the serpent, will bruise him, the seed of the woman, on the heel. And this was read as a messianic passage looking forward to the Messiah by multiple Jewish Targums um, on into the uh, second century AD. It's also read uh, messianically by such uh, second century church fathers as Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. So it was read messianically both by uh, Jews and early Christians. But it's interesting here, the one that was going to defeat this serpent figure is a lineal descendant of Eve, a descendant of the woman, a human descendant of the woman. And it's also interesting to point out that at the beginning of this passage, you have God speaking, I, in the first person, and that this seed of the woman is someone who is distinct from God speaking. So the seed of the woman is not God, it's not Yahweh, it's a human descendant of Eve. And so as we see one of the first passages within the scope of Scripture depicts the person who's going to defeat this serpent as a human descendant of a woman, and that this was read not just by Christians, but also Jews within the Jewish Targums. Moving right along, we're going to stick to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look towards the end, the other end of it, in Genesis 49. We're going to look at a passage in verses 8 through 10. By this time in the story, you've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob, and Jacob has a dozen sons, and Jacob's changed his name to Israel, and he's on his deathbed, and he is passing on his last will and testament to his sons. The son to whom he's speaking in this passage is Judah, a very important son uh, within our discussion here of the expectation of the Messiah within the Hebrew Bible, within the Old Testament. This passage reads, Judah, your brothers shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So we had this last little passage, the one here in verse 10, where it specifically says that the scepter, which is the, uh, the staff that the ruler holds, will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from be between his feet. And so we see here that the kingship and the, the ruling aristocracy, uh, the dynasty of kings, is going to continue from Judah. We know that uh, King David came from the line of Judah and his descendants, Solomon, on and on, uh, were also of the line of Judah. And so the kingship uh, within the history of Israel continued and was preserved uh, through this descendants, uh, through this, uh, this line, this family tree, you could say, uh, stemming all the way from Judah. And so we see here that there's going to be a king that's going to continue to descend uh, from Judah, uh, until we have this last part in verse 10, uh, which the NESB translates until Shiloh comes, but it's actually, there's some ambiguity and there's some open discussion as to what the Hebrew means. It could also easily be translated until he comes to whom it belongs and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So we're seeing that there's going to be this kingship that's going to descend from Judah. One of Judah's descendants is going to be the king 
he's going to carry the scepter, he's going to be the ruler. We can see that this was how it was understood in various documents in Qumran, Qumran being the uh, settlement um, close to which they found the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, in the 1950s. And also in the Jewish Targums, we see that this was the, uh, the reading of this passage, a messianic reading. So it's a very important passage uh, for our discussion that there's going to be a lineal descendant of Judah who is going to be Israel's king and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Moving right along, we're going to move to Numbers chapter 24 in verse 17 where we see another similar passage where it states, A star shall come forth from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheph. That's Numbers 24 and verse 17. So we have this star-like figure that's coming forth from Jacob, Jacob being uh, not only the uh, patriarch, but also the name of the nation of Israel. And the star is going to be a ruler, he's going to have a scepter, very similar to the previous passage we looked at, and he's going to crush Israel's enemies. But he's going to descend from Israel. He's going to be an Israelite. He's going to come from Jacob. He has to be a member of the nation of Israel. Okay? He can't be a foreigner. He can't be a Gentile. He has to be an Israelite. And we can see this was read uh, by the Septuagint. Actually, the Septuagint translated this in a way that actually made it out to be a human being who was going to be the person holding that scepter. And also we see Philo, which was a first century Greek-speaking, non-Christian interpreter of Scripture. Both the Septuagint and Philo regarded this passage as re referencing a human being who was to be the person who was to fulfill uh, these expectations. We all see that the Jewish Targums, a variety of them, read this as a messianic passage. And so that's important. We see that this ruler is going to be a descendant of Israel. Very similar to kind of what we saw in Genesis 49, 8-10, to where there's going to be a ruler specifically from the line of Judah. Moving on to Deuteronomy. We have a very important passage. It's important because it, it talks about the authority of the person mentioned, but it also talks about how this person is going to be a, a descendant uh, like the uh, countrymen of the nation. This passage in Deuteronomy 18, I'm going to read verses 18 through 19, where Yahweh speaks, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, like you, Moses. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. That's Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 19. And so here we see that God is going to raise up, meaning he's going to put on the scene another prophet figure. He's going to be from among their countrymen, which means he's going to be from among the stock of Israel. He's going to be uh, among the Israelites. He's going to be like you, meaning he's going to be like Moses. And God is going to put his authoritative words into his mouth, functioning as a prophet, speaking the words of Yahweh. And he's going to speak all that I command him. So we could say this prophet is going to be speaking as if he was Yahweh, as an authoritative prophet. 
It specifically says in verse 19 that anyone who will not listen to these words, the words that he speaks in my name, meaning under the authority of Yahweh, the things that this prophet will speak uh, will be authoritative and they will need to be obeyed and heeded. The passage says that I myself, Yahweh, Yahweh himself will require it of him. And this passage gets cited in the book of Acts twice in reference to Jesus. We know this is a passage that uh, was read messianically. We know from Qumran this was understood as a messianic passage. It was often linked uh, with the previous passage we looked at, Numbers 24, 17, and they, uh, they were read together within Qumran, within the Dead Sea Scrolls, as messianic expectations. We also know from the book of 1 Maccabees that the expectation uh, in the 2nd century B.C., that's between the uh, 200s and the 100s B.C., 1 Maccabees indicates that the expectation for this prophet from Deuteronomy 18.18 18 to come was still active. 1 Maccabees says in a couple of passages that uh, this expectation, that they are still looking forward to this prophet figure. Of course, the early Christians found immediately that Jesus, the one that fit this. But this prophet figure was someone who was supposed to be from among their countrymen. He was a prophet who was like Moses, and he would have God's authoritative words in his mouth. We also see in the passage that Yahweh, the one who is speaking about the prophet who is to come, is distinct from that prophet. Yahweh is not claiming to be that prophet. No, on the contrary, Yahweh is putting his words in the mouth of this prophet. This prophet is God's spokesperson. This prophet is going to speak on behalf of Yahweh. He will be Yahweh's prophet par excellence. So we see that uh, Israel's God is distinguished from this coming figure in both Genesis 3.15 and in Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 19. The expectation that we see from all of these passages, rather Genesis 3.15, Genesis 49.8-10, Numbers 24.17, and Deuteronomy 18, verses 18-19, through 19, is that they were looking forward to a human figure, he was to be a human descendant of the woman. He was to be a human descendant of the line of Judah. He was to arise from uh, among the Israelites. He was to be from among their countrymen like Moses. Okay. This particular figure had to be a human being. An angel cannot fit these qualifications. An angel is not the descendant of a woman. An angel does not descend from the line of of Judah. An angel is not an Israelite. And an angel is not from among the countrymen like Moses. An angel cannot fit the messianic qualifications as spelled out within the Old Testament, within the Hebrew Bible. Nor can Yahweh, the great and powerful God of Israel, the God of the Bible, Yahweh cannot fit these qualifications. There are a lot of people that say, well, Yahweh, God can do whatever he wants. And that's not necessarily true. There are some things that God can't do. God can't lie. God can't die. God can't contradict himself. So uh, Yahweh cannot be this, the descendant of a woman. Yahweh cannot be the descendant of Judah. Yahweh cannot be an Israelite. And Yahweh is not from among the countrymen of Israel like Moses. The only person that could fit this is a human being. So biblical Unitarians affirm from the scriptures that the coming Messiah 
which we ultimately know is Jesus Christ, was a human being, and this is not a post-biblical teaching, but rather this is a teaching that can be observed within the Old Testament, within the Hebrew Bible. It's an observation that was observed by many Jews, Septuagint, Qumran, the Targums, Philo, and a variety of others. And it's one that makes sense. In fact, when you read uh, the first 18 verses of the New Testament, when you get to the book of Matthew, you notice that it has to make this long and drawn out case that Jesus is the descendant of Abraham. He is the descendant of David. And it, go, it gives all of these names in this genealogy to prove and to spell out that Jesus truly is the human being that is descended from all of these persons. That should be enough for us to think about in regard to this episode, which is episode two, the human Jesus anticipated in the Old Testament, part one. In the next episode, we will continue and look at the expectation of the Messiah being the son of David, the descendant of David, and how this very powerful and important theme is brought in through the theology of the Old Testament and continues this line of thinking that Israel's Messiah was to be a lineal human descendant coming from the line of kings uh, described beginning from Judah, leading on into David, and ultimately climaxing in this messianic figure. So I appreciate you so much uh, for listening. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.